शिशिदाजी गोपाल की जाए पूरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए गोर भक्त वृंद की जाए गोर प्रेमानंद Sometimes I wonder why in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is very theistic scripture about Bhakti, there are some verses which seems to support the non-dualism. Uh, like, uh, I recently read a story about, uh, a story in, uh, told by Narada Muni to King Prachinabharhi in Fort Canto, about King Puranjana who next, in the next life became a woman uh, King of Puranjani and when her husband uh, King Malayavaja left his body <coughs> he was lament- she was lamenting and then some Brahmana appeared who was super soul actually because this is other allegory story mm. and he told her that me and you, we are not different. Actually, you are me. And uh, and uh, but Shri Prabhupada, uh, translating this verse, he is adding adding quality quality. Uh, there is uh, we are not different. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be far fetched. <laughs> and uh, there's also other other examples. Uh, I even read a book written by Vivekananda about Bhakti Yoga when he uh, was uh, quoting uh, ten canto of Srimad Bhagavatam where uh, gopi searching after Krishna disappeared and one gopi he uh, when he uh, attained her zenith of love, he ex- exclaiming she uh, that I am he, I am Krishna. So for you can understand this proof that bhakti can leave, uh, can lead to yeah. to complete oneness. Right. So well, I think that uh, that uh, if we want to understand the Srimad Bhagavatam, then um, we would do well to understand the Srimad Bhagavatam from those who have uh, made it the really uh, centerpiece of the sacred texts and their own hearts. So this is certainly the case with the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. So no one sees the Bhagavatam um, in the same light entirely um, as the Gaudiyas do. Obviously, the Balaba Sampradaya does to an extent, and Balaba was a contemporary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. Um, and uh, perhaps the Nimbarkis, to some extent as well, both of those are Ragmar um, Sampradayas. Um, and, uh, but more than anyone else, the Gaudiyas have uh, um, made uh, the Bhagavatam, the center of their focus. That's really the hub around which all of the scriptures orbit and in relation to which they're understood in context. Hmm. 
there are different statements and so forth. And of course, as you know, Jiva Goswami gives a very um, uh, extended and uh, uh, well-reasoned and researched argument for the centrality of Srimad Bhagavatam within the entirety of the sacred texts. That is in his Brahmanakanda of Tattva Sandarbha. Hmm? He draws from other Puranas which glorify the Bhagavatam and so forth and and um, he, he, he reaches a very, uh, um, as I say, well-reasoned conclusion that the best way of, the way in which we Godias know what we know is uh, primarily from the evidence, Praman, derived from Srimad Bhagavatam, which, for example, just to use some of his arguments, one of his arguments, the Garuda Purana states, is a natural commentary on Vedanta Sutra. Hmm? This is why, of course, the Gaudias didn't write a commentary in Vedanta Sutra. Um, whereas um, the Nambarkis, they have a commentary in Vedanta Sutra. So that's an instance in which, or an example, which they don't take the Bhagavatam as fully, embrace it as fully as we do. So if you, uh, if, if, if you want to understand the Bhagavatam, hmm, I think it's it's reasonable to assert that you will get a better understanding of it from those who have made it the centerpiece hmm, and argued for that, and done a good job of arguing for that, um, um, by hearing about it from them, rather than from someone who, uh, it's just another one of the sacred texts, it's not the main focus, uh, certainly, it's not the main focus of Shankar. He didn't write a commentary on it. Hmm? Um, and Vivekananda himself, um, he, uh, uh, of course, was a follower of the tantric um, Ramakrishna. And then he made... Um, he tried to connect Ramakrishna with the with the Advaita Vedanta. Hmm? He was really a tantric, and then he started his Vedanta Society in the West, and so on and so forth. And and um, um, he, he was an interesting person and whatnot, and many good things I'm sure could be said about them. But um, um, let's say he had some ideas that uh, that. That could are not very well, not easy to support, like his idea for meeting, eating meat and smoking and things like this. These types of habits that he maintained throughout his whole life, those are those are uh, things that he reasons about um, and and draws conclusions about. It's all well and good for him, but. But I don't, I don't think that they can be very well uh, supported from the sacred text. I don't I don't think that uh, uh, I mean for for longest time for that matter the uh, the Dwaita Sampradaya of Shankar didn't want anything to do with Ramakrishna and Vivekananda hmm? uh, because of their other ad- because of this and other advocacies of theirs opening hospitals and things like that. This was not the work of sannyasis from the Dwaita Sampradaya. But the popularity of Vivekananda was so great in India hmm, 
missionary had gone to the West and so on and so forth, uh, that the common people uh, more or less intimidated the, the, the Shankar Sampradaya to ease up on on, on Vivekananda. Hmm. And so he's, he's a famous saint. I mean, I, 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 Vivekananda Kijai. But we can go, go to Godiamat and the Godi Vaishnavas. They have something to say. He may have something to say about Bhagavatam. We have something to say about him also. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and we, we don't think... I mean, for example, if you want to cite Vivekananda, I mean, there may be other... That's just one example. And you, uh, you, you cited him. We, we can go into other statements themselves, whether Vivekananda commented them or not, from the Bhagavatam that seem to be monistic, as you're questioning. But... Um, um, Vivekananda also concluded that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a, was a, was a, was an Advaitin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a it's 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 such a stretch, and it it goes so much against the grain uh, entirely of, for example, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami Chaitanya Charitamrita. Where could you find a greater follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who was closer? Mm-hmm by generations and centuries to what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was about, who represented so accurately the Goswami's teachings, who were direct disciples of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? To contradict all that, to dismiss all of that, and come to your own novel conclusion that uh, that, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, was an Advaitin. Hmm? It seems very um, um, inappropriate. Hmm? Um, and so, to start with, hmm, it would, we would do well to hear what the Bhagavatam is about from those who have really, really delved into the into the text hmm, in, in great, great depth. Yes, there are some uh, persons, even in the in the uh, uh, Vedanta society of, of Vivekananda, who have written. Commentaries on the Bhagavatam—they're not really as much commentaries as they are translations and telling the stories of the Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want, uh, well, um, um, so that said, um, the person who deals with all of these statements in the Bhagavatam that may seem to say otherwise than what the Gaudias conclude. Bhagavatam says, person to talk to about that is Jiva Goswami and his Satsandarvas. Hmm? That's exactly what he's done. He's looked at all of those verses hmm? that, for example, might seem to say that Krishna is not the fountainhead hmm, of all avatars. There are statements to that effect, or appear to be so, in the Bhagavatam. He, he, he goes through all of them, ones you wouldn't even know about. It says this over here. What do we do about that? It says this over here. And shows, in a very insightful way, um, that they don't contradict his his thesis. Hmm? He also has a novel way of understanding the Bhagavatam. That when you hear it, you think, "Well, how would you how would you go any about about it in any other way?" Hmm? So this is pertinent to your point, hmm? because you, there may be, seem to be some statements in the Bhagavatam that uh, 
that sound Advaitic. There are wor- worse ones than what you quoted. Hmm? Um, I can get to that one specific one as well. But but the novel way in which he looks at the Bhagavatam, of course, is that if we want to understand the Bhagavatam, we would do well to look at the trance of Vyas out of which the Bhagavatam in its final form arose. Because, as we know, according to the storyline of the Bhagavatam itself, Vyas had compiled the Srimad Bhagavatam and the other scripture, but he wasn't feeling complete. So Narad explained to him that you have not emphasized bhakti in such a way that um, to underscore its efficacy and so forth. Rather, he's given more attention to jnana and, and karma. So he told him, samadhi nanusmritadvichestitam. You're qualified to sit, go into samadhi hmm, and come out and redo it. Hmm. After all, this is the Bhagavatam. It's a book about Bhagwan, the Bhagavat Purana. Um, and that's an interesting uh, point, I suppose, in itself, now that I think about it, because of the Kurma Purana, you have the Shiva Purana, you have the Garuda Purana, this Purana and that Purana. We don't have the Krishna Purana, we don't have the Narayan Purana. Uh, there is a Vishnu Purana, but there's the Bhagavat Purana. Hmm? as it was originally called, and then we call it Srimad Bhagavatam, but the Bhagavat Purana. So um, it's almost as if saying, this is the book about hmm, Bhagwan himself, who has a Shiva, who has a Garuda, who has a Kurma, who uh, has a Vishnu, and so forth. And that Bhagwat is Krishna. So anyway, uh, he, he, he says, uh, because Vyas, Nara told Vyas to go into Samadhi and then rewrite it, then the Samadhi of Vyas is described in half a dozen or more, eight some verses, in the seventh chapter of the first canto. And there, Jiyogoswami, I mean, who would have thought about that? What's the Bhagavatam about? How, because it says many things, it might look like it just, people think the Gita talks about this, it talks about that, it talks about bhakti, it's, you know, it's like, hasn't got a concerted message. Well, that's just not the case. And so it's the same holds true with the Bhagavatam. So if we want to understand the Bhagavatam, Goswami's argument is, first of all, well, it arose out of the trance of Vyasa, and the trance of Vyasa is explained in these some six, eight verses. So let's make that the hub around which we understand the Bhagavatam. And if you look at those verses, then you'll find the Chinta Veda Veda. Hmm? Hmm. You won't find the Dvaita Vedanta there. Because, um, first of all, he sees Bhagwan, he sees his Swarup Shakti, hmm? he sees the Jiva Shakti, suffering under the Maya Shakti. So he's talking, these are very clearly, this is very clearly stated in the Bhagavatam. So, the, Bhag, the, the Bhagwat, the Godhead, Brahman, that he sees, has Shakti. Hmm? It has the Tata Shakti. He doesn't say that the Tata, that, that there, there's an, that I went into trance and I saw that there was only Nirvishesh Brahma. Hmm? And that the, and that the, that the, that the Atma is an illusion. It's actually Paramatma. That that's not what comes out of the trance of Vyas at all. Hmm? Hmm? There's a Tatasta Shakti. There's a, a, what is the verse? What is a, uh, he saw the Jivas. Jiva Sammohita. Hmm. Uh, suffering under the influence of Maya. Hmm? And he saw the remedial measure to be Bhakti. Hmm? Um, for example. So, 
So the jiva is there, the jiva shakti is there, the, uh, the and, the, and the remedial measure isn't gyan, it's, it's bhakti. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw the maya shakti. So he's seeing an absolute with um, the pr- these three principal shaktis: maya shakti, tatasta shakti, and 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 swarup shakti. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it carefully, it's, it would be very difficult to draw. Monism and that, that, that's so there is a there may be a verse here or there that seems to say that but here now is this the hub around which all verses should be understood because this is what he saw so his samadhi basha the language of samadhi that 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 that, that is the Srimad Bhagavatam arose out of this understanding hmm? so it's a very jiva um, what is jiva atmanam trigunatmakam Bewildered by Maya, the Jiva, though a separate form of, though separate from the Gunas, considers himself to be made of the Gunas. And takes on a material existence created by the gunas. So he's, he acknowledges that there's, there's there's a jiva. He doesn't say, but this jiva is an illusion, as as Shankar would say. He saw and we saw bhakti yoga, bhakti yoga and hooksajay to the Lord is that which destroys the jiva's samsara, and so on and so forth. Learned Vyas then wrote the Bhagavatam for ignorant people. So after he saw all these things, I mean, there's there's several verses here, right? Um, and Jiva Goswami analyzes them in great depth, and, and it's very obvious, just at, at, a, at, a, at a cursory um, look at them, that there's the Jiva Shakti, Maya Shakti, Srup Shakti, and Bhagwan, and, and Bhakti Yoga to Bhagawan is the remedial measure to the Jiva's plight under the influence of Maya. Hmm. So, then when we look at other verses that seem to say opposite, well, we say, we realize they can't be saying the opposite. Hmm? Out, out of the context of, outside of, if we, if we, if we don't understand the context hmm, of these statements, the, the whole Bhagavatam is arising out of the Chintubeda Beta perspective. Hmm? We don't understand, if we understand that, then we can't interpret those those verses any other way than to conform with the Achinti Beta Beta. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the book is contradicting itself, saying one thing here and another thing there. So Jiva Goswami shows how the, all these, there may be a statement here or a statement there, just like, for example, at the end of the Bhagavatam, it said, what is it said? Kaivalyam Prayojanam. This book is, uh, uh, what this book is about is is the uh, the prayojan the, the goal of this book is kevalyam. Well, if I just make that statement, so well, that's, there you go, there it is. Kevalyam. It's a favorite word of even of the of the of the Advaita uh, Vedantins and so forth. But Jiva Goswami says, well, it can't mean that obviously because here we're at the end of the book, but you know we already see from its uh, central piece what it arises out of the the, the, the Chintubhita Beta. So, is there another way of understanding Kaivalyam? Yeah, there just happens to be many other ways. Hmm? So, he shows how Kaivalyam, you know, you just go to the lexicon, hmm? 
and uh, the dictionary, and you find kaivalyam means love. Hmm? Hmm? So we interpret it in that in, in that way, and that now that conforms with the central piece. Hmm? So if you want to take those statements out of context, then you have to deal with this 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 samadhi of of, of vyas, and so um, it's very 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 thoughtful, hmm? and nobody's done that with the Bhagavatam. Hmm? First of all, he glorifies, he gives us such a central place amongst all the scriptures, and it's very well-reasoned and so forth, even more than those, like the, like I say, like the Nimbarkis and the Balabas who also accept the Bhagavatam. Hmm? I think uh, I think the, the Balaba must have written a commentary on Vedanta Sutra also. I'm not sure. But let's say the Nimbarkis did. Hmm? I have a copy of that. It's a good one. But, you know, we don't even... We don't, we don't even need it. We've got the Bhagavatam. It's uh, the sutras is a shorthand, and this is the longhand of of, of Vyas. So um, um, it's all about context. Siddhanta is arrived at in consideration of Sangati. You have to have context. Hmm? And so uh, now you take the statement of the Brahmana. Uh, sure. Uh, 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 there he says that you and I are, are one, right? Hmm? Yeah, the next verse, he's giving an example of like person see his reflection in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So for him, yeah. it's he, but for others, they may, can be two persons. Yeah. Well, it's a very... Uh, Jiva Goswami makes the point also um, that um, in order to worship the Lord, you have to be one with the Lord. Hmm? It's, he's citing some text, some Upanishad text. To worship God, you have to be one with God. Hmm. So, what does it mean? Hmm. How can you worship God and be one with God unless that oneness with God is dynamic? Hmm. Right? If it's static, and I'm one with God in an absolute sense, then how can I be worshiping Him? Because there's, there's, no, there's no difference. So is there a way to be one Hmm? and still do worship? Yeah. Hmm? And what is that? One quality. Hmm? Different in quantity. It's a simple way in which Prabhupada used to talk, but that's just a very basic Vaishnava perspective on so many statements of other scriptures that talk about oneness between Atma and Brahman. There is a oneness between Atman and Brahman. Hmm? I can say you, you and I are one. It doesn't mean you're me and I'm you. We're on the same page. We're, we have the same opinion. Hmm? So to worship God, you have to be godlike. Hmm? You have to do on, on, on His terms. Hmm? To enter the fire, you have to be like, like fire. Hmm? Something like that is the idea. It doesn't mean you are the fire. Spark can enter the fire, but it doesn't mean it's the whole fire. Hmm? So if you do, if there, aside from the Bhagavatam, there are so many Upanishads that talk about oneness between Atman and Brahman. We look at that, and I think wisely, as statements that, that are very uh, rudimentary and beginning-like statements to help people of this world understand um, God. Hmm? Now, I've said before myself, what in this world most resembles God? You do. <gasps> Whoa. Mayavad. No, that's true. You, you, the consciousness, the Atma resembles God hmm? more than anything else because nothing else is is chit. Hmm? Everything else is inert, right? 
matter. But you are like the closest thing to God in this world. So if I want to start to t- tell somebody about God, this is a, b- a basic way to say. Hmm? Like I've given an example before. If you're in a cave and you, one guy goes out and sees what the sun's like, comes back in, tries to tell the other person, how, how can he explain what the sun is? He makes a crack in the wall and, and a little ray of sun comes in. And goes, oh, that's the sun. Now, is that ray the sun? Yeah. But... You can't get the whole idea of what the sun is just by looking at a ray coming through the hole in the wall of a cave. You don't know the sun means vegetation. It means rain. It means it means peaceful mind, uh, uh, and so on and so forth, and all the things that the sun does, right? So just a basic understanding. And if we don't interpret um, those statements like that, then we're burdened to explain all the other statements that speak about difference, about eternal form of Bhagavan, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Shankar's entire maneuver is, is, in explaining the scriptures is questionable. Mm-hmm. He makes all those statements... Um, what's the term? Mm-hmm. Hmm? No. Well, yeah, that. But there's the Mukya and the Gona. Mm-hmm. Gonavritti is means like okay, if I say um, uh, come to my house later on, it's uh, it's uh, just up up here the way on the Ganges. Hmm? It's about a hundred meters up here on the Ganga. Okay, well you have to interpret that in a secondary way. You cannot take that in a literary way. You mean when I say my house is up just up the road here on the Ganga, about a hundred meters. Obviously, it's not sitting in the middle of the Ganga. It means on the bank of the Ganga. Hmm? So you have to make, you have to interpret that statement in an indirect way. Hmm? That's Gonavirti. Then Mukhivirti means you take it literally. So, so many statements about the form of Krishna, for example, in the, in the Bhagavatam, about his leelas, hmm? his qualities, and so on and so forth. So Shankar wants to make all those Gonavirti. Hmm? And then statements about oneness, mukhiriti. It's a very backwards way of, uh, of 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 doing so. And there's good arguments as to why that's not uh, not viable. His whole idea of, of course, that involves his whole idea of two tiers of Brahman. That there's Brahman, Nirvishesh Brahma. And then there's the Saguna Brahma, who appears in this world as the Ishwar, as Krishna, as Varaha, whatever. And um, uh, this is just a a a. Uh, it's not absolute. It's not the f- the form is not eternal. It's it's uh, it's uh, sattvic, and um, it has great power. You know, he, he praises it, you know, considerably, and and. Uh, and, and so forth, but um, it's a vyavaharic truth, or it's a, it's a lower tier. There's a two tiers of Brahman. There's the absolute, and then there's the, the, the paramarthic and vyavaharic. So there's the empiric world, hmm? and then there's the, the real world. And the real world is just Brahman. That's it. In this world, there appears to be other things, but they're not. Hmm? And so this whole idea 
what Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami says about it in Chaitanya Charitamrita. In Chaitanya Charitamrita, interestingly, after Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami finishes his invocation, which I've commented on in the sacred preface, he goes on in three verses to glorify the three deities of Vrindavan, and then um, suddenly he tells the story of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Banaris and his first meeting with uh, with Prakrasana Saraswati. Hmm. And then he goes on to tell how he wrote the book, hmm, who the principal players are, the different branches of the tree of he describes the figure through tree of love of God, sets the stage, and then the story of Krishna of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, birth begins. Well why is he telling this Leela about Banaris and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu there. Hmm? Well, in one sense, it's like, okay, we've done with that, we've, we've given the theology, now we want to go kind of like, this is the theology, and this is what the theology is not. Hmm? And the, the principal uh, uh, and widely circulated notion of what scriptures is about at the time was Shankar's Advaita Vedanta. Hmm? Radical, absolute non-dualism, right? And so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is dealing with that in Benares, the center of Mayavad, hmm? Hmm. Uh, and 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 Sunyavad, and Prakashananda is depicted there. Had sixty thousand disciples, and this is a big affair. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu converts him, right? Hmm? And by way of explaining Omkar, what is Om? The Pranava Omkar. Um, you know, the Mahabhakti. Uh, so, from a theistic point of view, so it's like, okay, we're, we're going to get this Mahabhat out of the way here. He re- 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 revisits that at the end of the Madhya where it seems to be more in a chronological order. He revisits it again um, before he goes into the Antalila. Make sure you're, you're going to get that out of the way. So, he wants to get Mahabhat retired out of the way. And in that section, Hmm? Krishna Das Goswami says that what Shankar is saying is Vyas Branta. Branta means crazy. Vyas is crazy. Vyas didn't know what he wanted to say. Therefore, Shankar has come to tell us what he actually wanted to say. And if you look at the Vedanta Sutra commentary of Shankar, in the first Adhyay, the first, the beginning, the first chapter of the first Adhyay, there's four, four, four chapters and then there's Divisions within them, right? Um, so, in the very first one, I think it's around, I don't know, I used to know it's the 8th or the 18th verse. <laughs> That's where he inserts his his two tiers of Brahman. Hmm? And it's a totally, it, it's, it's, it's totally his invention hmm? for explaining it. It's not what the scriptures say, hmm? it's not the Vedanta Sutra as it is, as Shankar would like it to be, so to speak. So he says, basically, this is the way Krishnadas looks at Shankar's commentary. Great commentary. What you said is Vyasa doesn't know what he's talking about. Real good. That, so we have a pretty strong opinion about that. Krishnadas Kaviraj really, um, that's where it really, he really, that really comes out in Gaudiya Vaishnava. It really doesn't come out to the same extent in the Goswami's 
literatures and so forth, they're dealing more positively with what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Krishna does. <laughs> they're a faithful follower and, uh, and very dutifully and uh, has represented them in Chaitanya Charitamrita, again in the context of the beautiful narrative of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life, which he was commissioned to do by Nityananda and then the Goswamis in Vrindavan. He's a disciple of Raghunathas Goswami, as he states at the end of the book, um, and so forth. So, um, so much for Vyasa's commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, and so so much for somebody who says he's connected with the Shankar Sampradaya, who, who even the Shankar Sampradaya says, really? <laughs> we didn't know that, Mr. Vivekananda. Uh, and, and then his opinion about Srimad Bhagavatam, it's, it's hard to take it uh, too, too seriously. So, um, no, we don't have two tiers of Brahman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the idea that where, where it said Krishna's, Krishna's, uh, what's a, ni- a nice explanation, is, is some places it said God has no form, right? Uh, nirakar. Mm-hmm. Uh, What are some other no form? Uh, well, uh, so nice, nice example. Jiva Goswami cites in his in his Sandarvas hmm, is that of Gajendra. Hmm. Gajendra is the elephant, right? He was attacked by the crocodile and called out to Vishnu. And 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 he started praising God, right? And in in many of the descriptions that he gives in his prayers, he's described as nirakar, without formless and uh, and uh, those type of statements. I can't a lot of words like that that the Mayavads will use, and they're words in the scriptures. Hmm? So there's another example of them in the Bhagavad. Here's Gajendra glorifying God and calling him nirakar. Hmm? Without form, formless. Hmm. So he must be formless, right? The Jiva Goswami says, but he's calling out to the formless God, and what happens? Vishnu appears. So, <laughs> so he's calling the the, the Nirak will please make his appearance, and there he comes. Hmm. So, is he formless or is he not formless? How will we understand the word? Therefore, he says. Therefore, we have to understand the word differently. Hmm. It means he doesn't have a form. Like anything of this world, hmm? Hmm? you may think well, that sounds like a stretch, but but no, hmm? this also this also um, I think brought out by by Ramanuja, maybe in his maybe commentary on Vish, Vishnu Purana, or maybe there may be even a statement like this. I think in the Vishnu Purana, when this, when it says like this without form, it means not a material form. Hmm? I've given an example that one of my students went home to visit his father. And his father said, you know, so, you know, the refrigerator is full. Take whatever you need. Make yourself a sandwich or whatever you want to do. Hmm? So the father came on a little later and there he was making himself a big sandwich. He had an avocado and a, you know, tomato and some Monterey Jack cheese or whatever, you know. He's making a nice sandwich. And father said, aren't you going to put anything on it? Because he was a meat eater and he had, you know, and he, if he didn't eat meat, well, he didn't eat. 
more or less was kind of his thinking at the time. Hmm? So, so when his father said there's all kinds of food in the refrigerator, when he looked, he said, "Well, you know, this isn't food. Hmm? It's food to him." Hmm? So God doesn't have a have a have a form. One of the ways in which this world is described is Namarupa. Namarupa. Not the way we use it from a from a devotional perspective. No, it's a world of names and forms. We name things. We categorize them. But really, attribute forms to things when in fact it's formless. Because these forms are just coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. So if everything's just coming and going, coming and going, coming and going, then there's no form. Ultimately, right? This coming and going. That's the that's the all pervasive bottom line. It's this formless thing takes shape for the well, disappears, takes shape. So God's form is not like that. He has a real form. So when he says he's formless, it means he has no material form. And Gajendra said, Oh, you formless one. And then there he appeared with his form. <laughs> so it was a very nice explanation, I thought, of Jiva Goswami, an example of, of, of why you can't take statements like God is formless, literally. Hmm? And there are many ways such explanations uh, to, uh, to, to such obscure verses here and there in the Bhagavad you could pick out. And there aren't a whole lot of them. It's very, very difficult to get Advaita Vedanta out of Srimad Bhagavatam as its as its conclusion. But you can find an isolated verse here or there. And we've we've talked about a, a few of them. Does that help? Yeah. 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 Something else? Yeah, I, I'm I wonder why uh, if uh, Shankara was uh, incarnation of Lord Shiva who has uh, Vaishnava Santabaya and is the highest devotee of the Lord, Vaishnava Namiyapha Shambhu. Why he did so, such a bad job to spread this Mayavada philosophy, which seems to be there is no other worse obstacles for Bhakti because it kills Bhakti ultimately. Well, you can't be Mayavadi and be a Bhakti. Yeah. Well, he said this Bhaja Govinda, Bhaja Govinda, but usually his main.
he has his swarup and he has his his splendor his form and his splendor and his devotees are made out of that splendor and they're interpenetrating one another Krishna has a swarup shakti he stays within the orbit of his, this the whole bhakti well a large portion of the bhakti is all about the swarup shakti what is the swarup shakti there is an internal energy and so because of that God takes pleasure only within his own orbit so to speak he doesn't take pleasure from the tatasta shakti that's outside of himself the maya shakti is outside of himself it's part of himself in a broader sense but his interior orbit or realm where he always stays taking pleasure in rasa he yeah, can't. That can't be pleasure outside of himself. So there must be devotees. Hmm. There is splendor. Let's say. Let's take uh, you know uh, here uh, uh, another statement from the Bhagavatam, famous statement of Brahma. Brahma says. Um, he says, "Aho bhagyam, aho bhagyam, nanda gopa bhajokasham, yan mitram paramanandam, puna Brahma sanatanam." So, Jiva Goswami. In Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, one of the ways this 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 verse is interpreted in a number of ways. Hmm? I've written a, a nice article on the appendix of of, of my book, uh, six, four or five different ways of understanding the verse. But one of the ways, of course, is is that the word Sanatana is connected with um, Mitram. Yan hmm? hmm? Mitram, Mitram means friend. Yan Mitram Paramananam, Puna Brahma Sanatanam. Jiva Goswami makes the point in the third chapter of the of the what it would be the was the Western division I think of the Bhaktivedanta Sindhu where he's going through each of the chapters is about the different rasas so where when he's talking about Sakyaras he quotes this verse right from Bhagavatam and he demonstrates through the grammar as I'm pointing out that the friends of Krishna are eternal so they're bhaktas. So bhakti is eternal. It's another, right? You can't have you can't have Krishna. Hmm? You can't have Vatsalya Rasa hmm? unless um, there's an eternal mother, right, of Krishna. Hmm? What does Chaitanya Charitamrita say? It just Krishna Prem, Sadhuka Banoya. So this this Krishna Prem is eternal. It's nitya, siddha. It's eternally perfect. Hmm? So if prem is... Pr- what is prem? Prem is the mature form of bhakti. Hmm? <laughs> so there are many, 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 many statements as to the eternality of bhakti. Hmm? If Krishna's didn't have a sarup shakti, then his own position would be, would be, would be compromised because he would take... He would he would derive his pleasure from the Tatasta Shakti, which could be here today and gone tomorrow. Could be there, could could not. Mm-hmm. So he, he's in the in the orbit always of his own Sarup Shakti. When Tatasta Shakti becomes imbued with Sarup Shakti, then it can enter his his inner world, his realm, taste Bhakti Rasa, Rasovaisa, Brahman is Rasa. For there to be Rasa, there has to be two. Mm-hmm. So there has to be Krishna and Radha. 
Radha's bhakti day boy. She is bhakti. She's the fullest expression of bhakti, right? So Bhagavat Sandarbha is good to study to understand the Sarup Shakti and then understand um, that helps us very much to understand Bhakti. What is what is what does Bhakti Rasamrita Sindha say? Sudha Shatva Visheshatma, Prima Suryam Susami Bhak. Bhakti proper is the ingress of the Ladini and Sandini Shaktis, the Ladini and Sambit Shakti, which are which are elemental constituents of the Sarup Shakti, that ingress into the Jiva, by which the Jiva is imbued with this um, internal potency of Krishna. In Bhagavad Gita, we find also, in when Krishna is discussing Avatar Tattva, he says, Atmayaya, I come by my, by my Maya. I appear in this world unaffected by it because I'm under the influence of my own Maya. Hmm? It has to be different than the Maya that he's not affected by. He <laughs> can't be coming under the influence of his of his Maya Shakti and not be affected by his Maya Shakti. There's another Maya, Atma Maya. Hmm? So uh, then, then, uh, then, further on, you find in the, what in the ninth chapter you find, Mahatmanastumamparta Daivim Prakriti Mashita. Daivim Prakriti. That means Surup Shakti. Prakriti means nature. This is a divine nature. There's a divine shakti, power, under which the Mahatmas move in the world. So they're not moving under the Maya Shakti then. Because hmm? moving under the Maya Shakti means, well, you're implicated in, 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 uh, the, in the world of karma, hmm? suffering, attachment. There are other people, they're not ordinary souls, they're Mahatma, Mahatmanas to Mamparta. Daivim prakritim ashrita. They're ashrita. They're sheltered hmm, under the divine prakriti. Hmm. You can also find statements in Vedanta Sutra studying Bali Bidibhushans. Govinda Bhasha as to the parashakti. Hmm. Who is Lakshmi? Hmm. There's Narayan. If you accept that God's form is eternal, then you wonder, what is, what is Bhakti eternal? Well, who is Lakshmi? Even aside from Krishna. She's doing bhakti, right? She's, she's a personification of bhakti. So many, many, many statements as to the eternality of bhakti. Shankar's job is how difficult to understand. Hmm? Generally, the Gaudis give a historical kind of a explanation of it hmm? um, in relation to the. Um, Buddhism that was championed by Ashok. When when a king takes up a religion, well, so does everybody else <laughs> in the kingdom. So um, I think it was Ashok became a Buddhist, and um, Buddhism was uh, a, a generally understood to to reject the Veda, hmm? to reject the Veda. Um, I would say that really he rejected the Karmakanda section of the Veda and in the same way that the, that the Gyanis do, hmm, um, at least for themselves, and preoccupy themselves with the, with the Purva Mimamsa, with the Brahmakanda, you know, with the Brahmajignasu. Hmm. Um, so I don't look at Buddha's 
perspective is that that novel in a sense um, uh, where it gets odd is where they start to interpret his teaching as say there's no atma there's no at in a literal sense there's no atma there's no atma hmm? it becomes very convoluted then the reasoning hmm? there's no atma an atma hmm? But we don't have to interpret the Buddha's teachings like that. There are stated places where he was silent on that or where he did speak about it. He more or less said, let's not be concerned about whether there is a real Atma. There's a false Atma. The, the, you, the, there's a self that, that, that is a, there's a construct hmm, arising out of desire that causes you to be frozen, hmm, thinking that you're separate from everything that's constantly in change. And you're not really separate. Hmm. You think you are. That's the cause of suffering. That's driven by desire. So, maybe has a system for stopping from desire, really, and um, nirvana, extinguishing then that that illusion. So his focus is entirely on 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 destroying, deconstructing the cause of one's suffering. It's a pretty good. You know, he's very pragmatic. Don't think about anything else. So many ontological questions. Where did the world come from? How did it begin? Uh, don't bother talking about that. Focus on one thing. You are suffering. Do you believe me? Huh. Yeah. I believe it. Okay. Now I reason why. This is why. Because you have a thirst for things. And this is what the, this is where suffering comes from. So so you have to stop the thirst. Now I've got a way to do that. It's, it's called the Eightfold... Path, noble path, something like that. I'm going to teach it to you. This is the Buddha. Hmm. Just focus. Is there a God? This was not talk about that. Hmm. Hmm. Now you know. Um, then, invariably, you know, a great teacher's teachings is going to get handed down over the generations. Look at all the different divisions there are within Buddhism. Many of your modern-day Buddhists as well, and they think, you know, yeah, oh, well, the Buddha was great because. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't believe in anything beyond what he, you know, what he immediately experienced, you know, and they are intimidated by materialism. Many modern intellectual Buddhists are intimidated by materialism, by by physicalism, by interpretation of scientific data that is thought to be uh, uh, convincing. That that there's there's nothing beyond. Here and now, of course, you can't get away from the fact that Buddha talked about reincarnation, but they try to. Hmm? Some of the modern intellectual Buddhists in the West, and they, they they say we don't have to necessarily accept reincarnation as part of the actual core core doctrine. You're not going to get any any monk from Tibet or Japan or China to to agree with that. Hmm? That's just like they're just going way out on a on a limb that's fallen off, you know, with, with that kind of a perspective. And the whole world of mind, of course, Buddha does not reduce mind to brain. So, that's what materialism is doing, for the most part, reducing mind to brain. So, so they, they have a very, uh, those who do that are, uh, yeah, it's a disappointing uh, perspective on, on Buddhism, in my, in my opinion. But um, yeah, you don't have to believe in anything beyond you know, because if you, if you do, 
materialistic people, materialistic scientists and philosophers say you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not intelligent, you know, you're deviating from reason and so forth. Buddha was very re- reasonable. Buddha, you know, he was a, he had a, he had booty. So um, we don't need any revelation. But I mean, we again historically we look at that as that as something that happened in time. Buddha's emphasis was so so rampant was the um, adherence to and promotion of the Karmakanda perspective, which is three quarters of the scriptures, the Pravrti Marg, how to attain, how to get a license for taking. Hmm. And that included uh, animal sacrifices and things like that. So he rejected it. And he um, embraced uh, ahimsa. And um, and you know, the Godis say historically it was necessary for a manifestation of, of the Godhead to come and and um, um, do something about it. That's the Buddha. Buddha avatar. Um, but then, now to bring the beta back, well, you have to talk about it in a Buddhist-like way. Because it's what people have been buying into for whatever it is, a couple centuries or something like that. So, therefore, Shankar's teaching is very Buddha-like, Buddhist-like. Mm-hmm. It's very Buddhist-like. Mm-hmm. And there's some verses like this in the scripture. What is it? What are those verses? I forget now. I can't remember. Uh, describing veil, it, Shankar's teaching to be a veiled form of Buddhism. Mm-hmm. So, you can only tell somebody so much. You can't tell them all, everything all at once. Is kind of the idea. So, this is the way it's often explained in Gaudiya Vaishnavism as this broader um, um, show that's going on in Kali Yuga where different speakers come up to the podium and give some dissertation and one, one and then it's all that's all it's all the, the uh, like the secondary bands or something like that then the main act comes on Shaitan and Mahaprabhu you know, you go from Buddha to Shankar to Madhva to Ramanuja. So, and now the main act, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Chintabeda Beda. I mean, that's how we explain it. Um, and it's, you know, we can think now, well, that doesn't sound like the best way to do it. Why didn't, you know, just do it another way? Or why? Um, but it's, 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 uh, that's like an argument from our vantage point at this particular time. What was the wisdom of the God at the time to do in that way? Well, we don't know all the factors that that are involved. Um, so hindsight is you know twenty twenty or whatever, or maybe not. We don't know all the factors, so it doesn't sound quite right to us and it doesn't sound quite right to me either <laughs> why you know why it would be done like that but that's kind of the, the, the explanation there's another explanation that you, to increase the population I never could quite understand that one how Shankar's teaching is to increase the population of Hindus maybe I don't know because the more Hindus you have the less Buddhists you have I mean that's one way of winning the, the, the you know the religious battle to make kids <laughs> 
so maybe that maybe that's the argument. But but um, and God works in wonderful ways. So who can say why He does what He does? Why she, why she was commissioned by Vishnu to teach the Maya Bhad. A couple of reasons are given. They sufficed at the time. They sufficed and they made perfect sense to the Goswamis. I think they only make as much sense to us in our time as we could be in that in their in their time. Their explanations, which is what I'm giving here, basically is a kind of historical type of an explanation. Um, for them, they they worked perfectly. So we had to go to that time, then it would work perfectly for us as well. We're in another time now. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has already come on stage, so. Now he's off the stage, we have to tell everybody what he really said. <laughs> what the implications of it Because he was in such ecstasy, he couldn't get it all out. So. Shankar ki jai. Udadev ki jai. Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai. Gaud Premanandi.